Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 83 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm Steve. This is Jarman. Delayed reaction, Jarman. And we are both the other guys. Yep. That's, uh, we, I think it was two episodes ago, we described ourselves, we're both the other guy, and that's about as accurate <laughs> as it gets. We're not the alpha males of the group, we're the guys who don't care enough to do that. We're, we're two betas that add up to an A-. minus. <laughs> like that's... <laughs> it's not that we're submissive, we're just too lazy to be taking a lot of charge. That's true, yeah. It's just a lot of pressure, and I'm good. And during the zombie apocalypse, we might take over from like the background... Like with machinations, but they wouldn't know we'd be in charge. Oh yeah, we we're that guy whispering in the ear. Yeah, worm tongue. We're more like Iago, <laughs> Iago. in Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and I just have to squint a lot. <laughs> Did we already say what we're going to be featuring this episode? Oh no! Oh, so this episode, we're going to bring you uh, a classic with a new twist: copycat cinema. The original bit and one of the central pillars of our original show. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are bringing it back this week with a special TV edition of Copycat Cinema featuring the Orville versus Star Trek Discovery. Woohoo! So we know everybody's re- reviewing Star Trek Discovery right now, but we want to put a new spin on it and put our old spin on it, I guess. That's right. <laughs> and our spin is that we are the only people talking about the Orville. <laughs> Some people are That's mentioning a- it, but yeah, they're not really going in depth about it. <laughs> We're going to, yeah, we're going to dive into the Orville. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Jarman, what, what have you been up to since last we spoke? Well, I think that we recorded the last episode a while back and I got delayed editing it and posting it because of Hurricane Irma and I'm Yay. in Orlando. So that screwed me over for a while. Just I had to be home, like cleaning up my yard and also the power was out at my studio and uh, luckily, the power never went out in my home, so I was fine there. Well, that's but, convenient. Yeah, very convenient. But so sorry that episode being so out of place with time. Like we were recorded pretty soon after the series seven finale of Game of Thrones, and then it came out like a week and a half later or something. Yeah. Well, the important <laughs> thing is we tried. We tried, and I was gonna put like a you know a, a message at the beginning of the episode saying, "Hey, this was recorded back then." But then I was like, "That'll date the episode later on." Like if someone else is listening to the back catalog, they're like, "That's right." All the for all the people going back and powering through. Hey, when we're both rich and famous they're gonna do that so that's right this is gonna be <laughs> people are gonna listen to this someday exactly this will be used in the court case against us that's probably more accurate that's but, right uh, the worst part of hurricane katrina for me came afterwards because uh, it was fun during the hurricane we had a few people over playing board games the power never went out we got really lucky very fortunate uh, we had huge stores of food and water that we didn't need um but then Two days later, a tree fell in our backyard. The top of it just broke off this huge tree and it just smashed yeah. the fence on the left. And then the next and about a week later, uh, a giant tree from our neighbor's yard fell forward into both of our yards and our like my driveway, almost hitting my girlfriend's car, smashing the awning of their house and part of the awning of our house. And so wow. there is a pile of cut up trees in front of our yard that's almost as tall as our house. <laughs> and or- Orlando says they probably won't be able to take it away for a few months because wow. there's, there's so much yard trash everywhere. It's just disgusting looking. There's just like rotting wood on everyone's lawn. And they said it'll take a few months to get rid of all of it because there's just not enough trucks, not enough people. Yeah. And not enough places to put it. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do, but our house is really ugly right now until this is sorted out. Well, good. I'm glad you came out on the, the positive side of the hurricane. Yeah, well, pretty much. I mean, our house is fine. I mean, we didn't lose power or internet, so we're really fortunate. And poor Puerto Rico right now is going through hell. So, and they are American citizens. So help them out, Puerto Rico. That's right. And then maybe, maybe think about becoming a state. Yeah, how about that? That'd be cool. Think, just think about it. Consider <laughs> it. 
think about it. They might not want to yeah. until Trump's out of office. But. And I, I don't think I could blame them. But right. they get they can vote and stuff. So, I mean, come on. Become a state. It'll be fine. There you go. So what have you been up to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, let's see. We've had a sick Joyce over the weekend. Oh, your baby's been sick? Yeah. She's just throwing up and stuff, and her tummy's just generally not pleased. Oh, that's not cool. And last night was up for like an hour and a half, just get, just kind of generally mad. <laughs> like, not like over, like she wasn't screaming or anything, but just, and finally just, just threw up all over the bed, just, just everywhere. And then, and then was just done. We laid her down and she just stared at us. She had nothing left. That's probably, how, that's how I feel when I'm nauseous all day. I'd be like, I'd probably be saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so just dealing with a sick kid. Uh, my parents are coming to town in a few weeks, so we're getting ready for that. Oh, very nice. Uh, and then uh, I've had a few big changes at work. Uh, being sort of at the at the low end of the totem pole, giant things can change like overnight. And so now I've got a whole new set of bosses, mm. and I've uh, we've been reorganized. I remember that from my CNN days. They would just change everything the next week. Like, what the hell? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. So I, my immediate manager is the same, but everything from her up is different now. Hmm. But it doesn't affect your day-to-day job too much? Uh, not too much, but, it, you know, we're under new management. Hmm. Gotcha. You know, change, it's good or change. bad, is going to come. Right. Well, that's pretty eventful. Yeah. So it's been a, a interesting couple of weeks and advances on the work front. And you've been watching good TV in that time, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, there have been some okay things, such as Star <laughs> Trek Discovery. And the Orville. Sure, that too. <laughs> so yeah, we'll just, yeah, we'll figure that out later. We'll tell you guys how that works, the whole uh, copycat. We'll bring it down in case you if, you haven't figured, it if you haven't figured it out. We'll let you know. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I think it's time for some nerdy news. Nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. Ah, you want to go first? Yeah. Go for it. All right. So uh, researchers from both Harvard and MIT have joined together to make these bioresponsive tattoos. I think I heard about those a while ago. They just, I didn't know if they were real or not. And then so the idea of these different pigments are replaced with these bio, these things that become brighter or darker depending on different um, things, including pH level. Um, so they can tell your level of dehydration. Oh, wow. Uh, and then another one that they were successful with was uh, it being able to read your blood sugar. Oh, it'd be great for diabetics. Yeah, right. So the, that that's sort of the uh, the eventual idea once it's perfected is that a, you know, a diabetic could get a tattoo and have a constant eye on what their their blood sugar is. That's great. See, I'd actually yeah. get a tattoo then if it had a purpose and an effect. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Fun fact: um, they in one of the earliest uh, human remains they found this like Icelandic guy who died in the peat. Uh-huh. Yeah, thousands of years ago. Uh, Also, they found the oldest tattoos Mm. on him. And there were like, there were basically like runes on a few of his joints, like on his wrists and on both of his ankles. And x-ray of that uh, revealed that all of the joints that had like the markings on them, the tattoos, uh, also had some sort of joint disease in them. Ah, Leading to them, believe. Right, right, right. It was some sort of rune or external marking meant to relieve pain or, awesome. or relieve the sickness. And what if they really worked? It was real magic. That's right. We should all get runes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my buddy AJ from college got Nordic runes on his, his uh and if, if and if that is part of <laughs> I was waiting for you to fill in the blank there. That could have gone a lot of ways. <laughs> on his uh, uh his, what do you uh, call it? The, ch- the like is it the chode? Is that, no. that, that that fleshy little area? Is that no, I always tell the story because he got these tattoos on his rib cage, and it's one of the most painful places you can get a tattoo. It's oh these, my gosh, I can't imagine skin there, and it's like a lot of nerve endings there. But uh, and so he's like, he's always so over masculine all the time back then. He's gotten a lot better. He's changed quite a bit since then. But he was like, oh yeah, that doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. I'm like, come on, buddy, it hurts. I mean, it's on your rib cage. It's okay to say it hurts. And he's like, no, nope, the nerd at all, the nerd at all. He's like sitting there, like if you see like the one tear falling out of his eye. It's like, come on, man, just admit it. It hurts. <laughs> Have you have you ever seriously considered even momentarily getting getting a tattoo? Oh, of course, I've considered it, but never gotten much past consideration. Okay, if you ha- what what have you toyed around with? 
I've, I've toyed around with the idea for years of the uh, Starfleet communicator on my left um, chest. Left like chest. where it would like <laughs> where it would tech. be. Like yeah, where exactly. it would be. Yeah, okay. Exactly. I like that. I like that. So I thought about that. I had to find a pretty design of it that wasn't just like an outline or something. It'd be kind of look kind of neat looking, but I don't know. Yeah. I just never, if it had a purpose though, like your news story that I'd actually more consider it. I'd be like, oh, well, it's actually reading my blood sugar too. That's really cool. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. If that became a thing. And they, once again, these researchers think that this is like the next step beyond wearables. Yeah. Like wearables are the big craze right now. A watch that can sense that you're about to have a heart attack, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But, but you know, injectables and livables. We'll call them livables. Help you live. Yeah, bam. I'm <laughs> coining the term right now, livables. I want one, a tattoo that tells me if I have any cancerous cells in my body anywhere. <laughs> that would be God. amazing. Because then I'd be like, okay, get me to a, a MRI quick or whatever that, the CAT scan, whatever it is. Whatever it is. <laughs> whatever magic they're using these days. Get me in it. The thing that shows me where the cancer is. Do I, just want, I just want one that lets me know if I've got gas. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know when you got gas. Oh, my arm's glowing red. It's going to be a rough night. <laughs> I'll sleep on the couch, honey. <laughs> if it's red, you're not in bed. <laughs> That's their mod. You have it already. That's perfect. Copyright this. I also coined that. Let it be, let it be known. If it's red, you shouldn't be in bed. <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's the future I want to live in. Yeah, me too. All, all so sorts what, of weird what, tattoos on my body. What story do you bring us? I gave a great little kitschy name for mine. Doomsday Butterflies. So <laughs> I this like it. Go hails on. from your uh, former hometown of Seattle. Uh, in Seattle, all over town, mostly in the parks, there's been found all these origami butterflies. And they don't know where they're coming from. This was a while, like maybe about a week and a half ago. So they have strange messages on them. Most of them say um, things like, you are not safe. All gods must die. Uh, they all point to a website called allgodsmustdie.com, which is in itself very weird. It has, like, Let's take a look. It has like, look. prophecies and stuff on it. Um, it says, do not be alarmed. We mean you no harm, but we have come to invade your safe space. It has a weird messages about God on it and Psalms, and it's very weird. But someone's put it. The 10th the mark. Yeah, the 10th mark. Whatever the hell that is. They had weird prophecies about the 28th of September on them, too, which came and went and nothing happened. So <laughs> that's so much for that. But people were pissed off because it was just littering everywhere. These origami butterflies that someone had to meticulously fold. And they have weird imagery on them. And uh, what's some of the things they said? Uh, the paper also contains the date 928 2017 and images of Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, Kurt Cobain, the Starbucks mermaid, and the Seattle skyline. However, the skyline images are curiously missing the Seattle Space Needle, one of the city's most iconic landmarks and buildings. As if insinuating, I guess they're going to blow up the Space Needle or something, or someone was going to. Uh, but nothing happened. So that was a little event that happened in Seattle. Wow, that is crazy. <laughs> oh, this website is insane yeah it's really weird they think it has just some, crazy some weird like anti-feminist stuff on it and an anti-lgbtq women's rights group and they issues. have like directed messages based on who you are it's very weird so it's like messages to pagans and you click on it and it's their message to you if you're a pagan Ooh, messages to religious leaders and you click on it and it's their message to you if you're a religious leader. and be careful if you scroll down this website because it has a dead fetus picture on there is i was shocked to see that but it is definitely there so don't there's also there's also rainbow hands that are dripping blood it's it's a lot of weird imagery but check it out it's kind of crazy <laughs> as long as you don't mind that all kind of gods stuff. must die or the 10th mark.com one or the other uh, it's very weird I, we're not endorsing this site. Let's no, make this clear. not at all. They're not bags. Planners <laughs> not endorse anything you're going to see on this site. We're just saying if you're looking for something weird, maybe take a look <laughs> and don't take it too seriously. But I'll have to update if I hear anything more. If they've uh, if they give an update about how that date passed and went and nothing happened and see what happens. But yeah, there you go. All Holy right. <laughs> well, good luck to all of us. Yes. Uh, so now, before we get into our main segment of Copycat Cinema TV Edition, uh, I've got some trivia for Jarman. And because this is, we're, do, we're talking about Star Trek, ultimately, I've got some Star Trek trivia, and I think I've Woo! got some difficult stuff. And I made it difficult since this is your realm. Oh, good. Hope I can do it. 
hope I won't embarrass myself. So I hope I give you a chance to a chance to shine. Engage. All right. I've got seven <laughs> questions. Are you ready to play? I'm ready, number one. All right. Which Star Trek film was the first to win an Oscar? Oh, crap. You know what? I think it was probably the Star Trek 2009 for some kind of special effects. Now, you are right. It was best makeup. Yes. Good work. <laughs> which is sad, but true. Trek Fest is held annually in which Midwest town? Trek Fest. It's like apparently the longest running. Uh, Detroit? No, that is Riverside, Iowa. Oh, that makes perfect sense. That's where Captain Kirk was born. There you go. Damn it, German. All right. What is the exact name of the only species to be able to resist the Borg? Species 8427? I'm sorry. 8472. Damn it. <laughs> there is a reason I said specific. I was The two numbers were switched. That was it. That was <laughs> good. No, you did very well. You did very well. <laughs> eight, four, seven, you're, still wrong. you're still wrong and you get nothing. That's funny. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you know this one, I'll be blown away. How many episodes of the original series does Kirk appear shirtless in? Oh, God. Like, I'm horrible at, like, the counting of these things. <laughs> well, you better get good quick. Um, I'd say... It's not as many as people think, because after the first season, he wasn't shirtless much because he was wearing a girdle. Um, six. Uh, no, it is 13. Wow. More than I it thought. is as many people as, as people think. <laughs> well, out of 79 episodes, he's only shirtless in 13. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah it's not bad. <laughs> what color was Spock's skin originally supposed to be? but was changed during production due to the broadcast being on black and white televisions. Green. I'm sorry, that's wrong. What? Was it blue? It was originally supposed to be red, and then ended up being a pale green. Oh. I know they because did pale the, green, the red on, they, they phased out the green even, because it, yeah, it, it yeah, wasn't Yeah, they noticeable. made him less and less green. Right. But it was originally supposed to be red, but on black and white television, that would, that would appear dark-skinned. And now I'm remembering something about it not doing red because he looked too devil-like or something, too. Maybe. Hmm, vague memory of it, that. This is what the internet had to say. Who knows? They must be right. <laughs> All right. All right. This actor has played a Romulan, a Klingon, and a Vulcan. That would be Mark Leonard. That is correct. I will give you a bonus point <laughs> if you can tell me at least two of the roles. Uh, Sarek is the Vulcan he plays. Yep, in movie three, four, and six, and uh-huh. on the animated series, supposedly. And and one of the episodes of the original series. Um, uh, I would not know the Romulan and, Vulcan and Klingon names because they were only in one thing. Yeah, he played some Vulcan captain in the original series. <laughs> yeah. And then he was the Klingon captain in the in the opening of uh, the original motion picture. Right. That gets blown out of the sky by V'ger. He's got a great voice, too. <laughs> All right. This is your last one. All right. What is Uhura's first name? Um, Nyota. That is correct, Nyota. <laughs> All right. So for my expert level Star, Star Trek quiz, you got three right, and you were pretty damn close on two others. That was so close to that 8-4. You had the knowledge in your head. You just didn't arrange it correctly. <laughs> right. I got dyslexic with my answer. So I'm going to round it up to four points. Out of how many? Out of a possible seven. Oh, man. I still feel bad about that. That's not bad, though. These are I picked these because I expected them to be hard. Yeah, especially the names of his other characters. That would be like expert, expert level. So, well, I mean, you wouldn't even tell me the name, but if you could at least have told me what they were. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Okay, that's so I rounded up to four points. <laughs> good, so that's, good. that's, that's what you get. <laughs> Perfect. So now I think that moves us into our main segment of Copycat Cinema Television Edition. As usual in Copycat Cinema, we each pick a side and argue why that side is better than the other. 
this week, uh, because I like making German itch, I am going to be arguing on behalf of Star Trek Discovery, and he is going to have to argue why the Orville is the superior show. If and you're in I'm debate very... club, you don't always debate the thing you believe in. No, not always. All right, so we're basically going to defend them, and uh, I don't know, do we talk a little bit about the episodes first before we Yeah, let's, let's, let's do a brief kind of breakdown summary. Right, because we usually do for the movies, too. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll start with Star Trek Discovery. Sure. Because that's the one I think we want to talk about more. <laughs> um, so it starts on Desert Planet. Captain and her number two or number one, whatever, uh, are there to, you know, open up a well because right. the planet's about to go through a giant drought and it's going to kill off some inhabitants. They get picked up. We see the ship for the first time. Uh, suddenly they get called out to check out uh, what like a beacon or something and it's not discovery yet it's the shinzo or whatever yeah the shinzo uh some beacon that's been destroyed or disabled they go out they find it while they're out there they find this klingon shrine thing Mm -hmm. which ends up which ends up being attached to this giant ship right uh and they're basically now in this standoff with the klingons because they're calling back all 24 tribes the klingons to all come together and Come as one under Kalos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remain Klingon. They're simple. They're simple. Whatever he said. That. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so now suddenly they find themselves almost in an all-out war. Uh, the second in command says we should we should hit them before they hit us. Uh, they hesitate. She commits mutiny against the <laughs> captain to try to save everyone. Uh, and then ends up getting overruled just in time for the rest of the Klingons to show up and start an all-out war with Starfleet. Right. Uh, both sides take heavy losses, but ultimately I think Starfleet kind of comes out the loser. Yeah, like they barely escape with any of the troops left, or any of their ships left, and uh, they realize they're at war. Yeah, uh, and and so the, the second-in-command and the captain beam on to the now-disabled enemy ship to try to capture the, the Klingon, I guess, religious leader, for lack of a better, better right. term. To Kuvma. Uh, he ends up killing the captain. The second in command ends up killing him in a moment of rage. He becomes a martyr that then becomes the catalyst that unites the Klingon Empire. If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Thanks, Obi-Wan. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, despite the fact that, yes, ultimately her call was correct and they should have attacked first, uh, she still committed, uh, you know, mutiny, you know, a crime. And so she is tried, found to be a prisoner, and is to be imprisoned for life. And if you see the preview of this uh, tonight's episode, we're actually recording this on Sunday, October 1st. Uh, the preview for tonight's episode shows that uh, she'll be on the Discovery somehow. They need her as some kind of consultant. Uh, and she's still kind of a prisoner there. And everyone's looking at her like she's a traitor and stuff. And we'll see how she comes out of that. So that's... Yeah, I mean, I... Okay, yeah. Well, we don't need to get into it right now. Uh, so now let's talk about the Orville. So the Orville, uh, we have Captain Ed something. I've forgotten his name already, but it's played by Seth MacFarlane. Uh, he is, you know, a guy who's been really depressed uh, the year since his wife cheated on him or fiance cheated on him. So he has been slacking in his job. He was going to be on the ro- roster to be a captain. But after this past year, his chances were looking pretty slim. But he's given a chance by Victor Garber, who's a uh, firestorm on uh, <laughs> The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, I just started watching that show. Yeah, he's great. He's a yeah. longtime actor, great singer, too. Uh, but he gives him as an admiral and he gives him a position on a ship as a captain. And it's the Orville, which is one of the most boring names you can have for a ship in the world. <laughs> I don't know why they picked that name for the show. <laughs> um, and uh, he's it's after the popcorn guy. Yeah, Redenbacher, the ship. Uh, and so then he finds out later that he's assigned his uh, ex-fiance cheat on him as his first officer. Uh, they bump heads a little bit, but they start to respect each other and their positions because they do complement each other pretty well as far as officers go. Uh, maybe some romances budding there. We have a uh, yep. small female from an alien race who has lower gravity, so she's very strong on regular gravity. Uh, she's very scrappy. And we have... Uh, like a rob a racist robot. A racist robot thinks he's superior to everyone from his planet. Uh and then Who else? The the, the doctor uh, is just a human doctor. She's an older the, actor, so I've seen a ton of stuff. She's really good. 
the single sex race, the second in command. Right. And he's the Chad Coleman plays his um, his partner, his mate, who is uh, on Walking Dead as I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, he died not too long ago. Chad Coleman. Yeah. I think he was Sonequa Martin Green's uh, brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He so, was. That's actually a fun connection. That is a fun connection between these two hey, shows. Yeah, <laughs> we found it. He played Sonequa Martin Green character's uh, brother on Walking Dead, and now they're both on these separate shows. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a single sex race that lays eggs and uh, yeah, and they they actually have a whole episode about them uh, laying a egg and it turns out to be a female, which is like heresy in their planet. And they discuss gender issues in the, that episode. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very serialized. It's very much like uh, every, every episode is kind of standalone, kind of like the old days of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. So it's not the same as discussing the story as Star Trek Discovery like we just did. So, so yeah, we'll get into it. Um. But yeah, so uh, what do you want me to go first as to why Star Trek Discovery is superior? Go ahead and try. So Star Trek's uh, Discovery is superior because it has an actual Star Trek soundtrack as opposed to the Orville, which has a knockoff B version Star Trek soundtrack. <laughs> like the Orville sounds like it's trying to be just enough Star Trek to not get sued. Mm-hmm. To the point where they might as well have just picked a whole different genre. Like it's so blatant that I feel that I feel like they just shouldn't have done it at all. Well, that goes directly into my first point of why that's actually a good thing. Uh, for those Star Trek fans who are so nitpicky and so angry about every small difference from the Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine, nothing's been in, as good ever since. You should watch the Orville because it is shot directed uh it feels like the pacing of all those old shows like it's ex- and the, even the transitions the fade to black to commercial the fade yeah in the for- fade to black to commercial <laughs> yeah. was my biggest like whoa that's a 1990s happened? thing where they stare at the camera after their last line and they look shocked and then it fades to black dun, dun, dun. And it goes <laughs> every single time and even the panning shots the way they do it so i mean and the music is uh i it's a little over orchestrated, like there's music almost in every single scene, but that's kind of like the way the old shows were. So that's my first point that if if you don't want you think everything hasn't been Star Trek since those Star Trek shows, watch this and you'll feel like you're watching those old episodes and it just and you won't be angry about any differences because it's a different universe. But it's pretty much exactly the same as Star Trek Next Generation as far as all those facets. Yeah, true. Uh, my other point, my second point for why Discovery is better is because um, Discovery has like a cool twist to it that people were just kind of weren't expecting versus the Orville, which uh, just uh, was not advertised correctly. I feel like I did not get what was advertised. Is that the fall of the show? I also, I guess <laughs> it means that it means that that the show was so weird that that the advertised didn't know what to do with it. So they advertise it as a mad ball comedy, and that is not what the Orville is. So what's what's your point you're making here? That uh, you know what you're getting with Star Trek Discovery? Is that what you're saying? No, I think that Star Trek Discovery had a great twist. Right. Uh, we like we knew that the main character was not going to be the captain, but for them to be a disgraced prisoner, I think is starting us off in a completely different place than I ever expected to start off. Well, that's something I was, I was thinking about. Not one of my points, but it kind of goes to that effect. Is that we already, within one episode, are, are liking the characters of the Orville. We know who we're going to be with. Uh, we've gotten to know them already really quickly. They kind of get go through the exposition a little clunkily, but they get it out there. So it's just done, and you know the characters, and you like them. Uh, whereas we're two episodes into Discovery, and we don't even know who the main characters are going to be yet. I mean, we know from the advertising, but we haven't met them. We don't really know them very well. We only maybe care about um, uh, Michael Burnham, the main character. Yeah. Other than that, like, we don't know what the hell's going on. So, I mean, I think in that regard, Orville has started off stronger because we already are invested in what these characters are doing and what they're saying and that kind of thing. So, I think to speak against that, though, I think that the characters in Discovery are more complex and they're therefore going to take more than an episode or two to nail down versus the Orvilles, which are very two-dimensional and very what you <laughs> expect for such a uh, a serialized uh kind of version of a show you don't see that much anymore i will not disagree with that point <laughs> bam that's right that's right turned it around i already was thinking that but i, was, I wasn't going to give it to you but <laughs> that's right well i could read it on your brainwaves 
But yeah, it's kind of like comparing, um, you know, Law and Order SVU with uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's going to take five seasons to like really give these characters a huge That's arc true. and get to know them and introduce new interesting characters. Whereas SVU, you have the same five, ten characters every week. Yeah, I can turn on any episode and be like, man, he's the angry one. Right. Like, I don't have to know much else. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's the guy who has a shadow, shadowy past. He <laughs> makes wisecracks, but really has a heart of gold. <laughs> She's got a stick up her ass, but really loves to let loose after work. Um, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess that was, I don't know whose point that was. I think that was yours starting off with. So, but yeah, my next well one which is related to that, is that all the characters in the Orville act like relatable human beings, which is something that was blatantly missing from the idealized Star Trek future of Gene Roddenberry in his shows, where this feels like, yes, the Star Trek utopia future, but how people would actually speak and act. And it, it, I like that. It feels relatable, like they make dirty jokes, they are, react to situations the way you think a real person would. Like uh, <laughs> one of the most recent episodes of the Orville, uh, Captain Ed, I keep forgetting what his last name is. We should probably look that uh-huh. up. <laughs> he, um, he tries some of the locals' food. They just can't give him some food to, to eat while they're waiting for something to happen. And he's in the middle of a sentence, puts the food in his mouth, and then he's like stops in his tracks, and it's disgusting. And he's like, they're like, is something wrong? He's like, no, no, no. You guys uh, have any napkins? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, where's your trash? <laughs> it's just like, that's something that would really happen out in these worlds. You never see that happen in, in the Star Trek episodes. So. And I, I like that they don't have sticks up their asses. They're actually not just sterilized fleet officers. They're real characters that you can relate to. All right. Fair, I guess. Well, it's like, I mean, we might get to know and like and relate to the characters in uh, Discovery. But like you were saying, they, they're going to need to take time to get there. Uh, the third point, my final point mm-hmm. for Star Trek Discovery is that um, I feel like they are doing that. I'm excited as someone who is does not know much really about Star Trek. To get to see what is clearly a big part of the universe's history, the Klingon conflict and how right. that started. Uh, but to get to see that fleshed out from what I'm guessing has really only been descriptions and minor mentions in the shows. And then I, in non-canon novels, yeah. Right, right. I, I'm excited to get to watch this part of that history play out. Yeah, I will not disagree with that point. People are very anxious about that and... uh they weren't sure if exactly that's where it was going, and but it looks like it's exactly where it's going now. And yeah, um, I think they picked a great subject matter to drive a really good story, even for people that don't know that much about the universe. And I thought people are relating it to Game of Thrones a lot because they're seeing like the, you know, the Klingons being the White Walkers, and then all the people in the show will be like Game of Thrones, kind of pulling together to make sure they all fight together against uh, the Klingons. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah, out. we could. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, We'll see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'll mix my last two points into one that I'm. Okay, let's do it. The effects are fantastic on the Orville, but I'm going to cancel that out entirely because I think both shows have fantastic effects. Um, I think the Orville surprised everyone, though, because they're like, it's a Seth MacFarlane silly show. Yeah. But then it came on and they're like, whoa, these effects are really good. <laughs> I was blown away. Yeah. I was very surprised. Because we were expecting it for Discovery. It's a Star Trek show. It's a tentpole for CBS All Access. It's going to have great effects but then the Orville was just like wow all right let's they're actually taking this seriously uh but i i I, my last point was that they have a laugh out loud funny moments on the Orville and it's lighthearted, but at the same time still pulls off those meaningful and thought-provoking thought-provoking moments from the old star trek series so i just think it's really enjoyable very palatable easy to watch um it's not bad at all i think it's a good compliment to give (laughs) so yeah, that's kind of my final defense of the Orville. Fair enough. Whereas the discovery, it might take itself too seriously and it might go down a path people don't like and it's not going to be palatable for everybody. Maybe too many Klingon scenes, too much subtitles, whereas everybody can watch the Orville and enjoy it. So so really what you're saying is because your expectations for the Orville are extremely low, your expectations are always exceeded. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Uh, all right. So now let's talk about the real winner. I don't think so, man. Actually, I'm as of right now, I'm enjoying the Orville legitimately more than Discovery. I, but okay, I, so I think, but here's the thing. Let's bust into it. But here's the thing. Real. I know I'm going to eventually like Discovery a lot more, and it's going to be a lot more profound and better. And there's, I, I can't wait to meet like the main cast of Jason Isaacs and all this stuff. So I know I'm going to like it better. But right now, I just, I, I've seen more of the Orville. It's been very fun and 
to watch, but that's where I'm at. So now. He, here's my problem with the Orville, and I think that what the point I made uh, about them not knowing how to advertise it speaks to it. I th- oh, absolutely, it has a, yeah. a bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, it like was they, advertised they it terribly as, as this madcap kind of over the top sitcomy comedy, and it's not that. But that being said, there are giant dry patches where there is just no humor interjected. Right. Like, I can't say it's a comedy. But that being said, there are some moments where it gets uncharacteristically funny. True. It's like it gets there's madcap funny moments in a show that's just Star Trek. You know, it's like it's weird. It's right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take Star Trek The Next Generation, that feel. And you're absolutely right. They really copied that that feel. And then make every third scene have someone just saying something that, like, is inappropriate that nobody in that setting would actually ever say. <laughs> right. Like, uh, did you watch the most recent episode? No, I only watched the first two. I only had time for those. Oh, like, they have to explain to the robot, because uh, they, they call the robot a, somebody a dick. And the robot's like, why why would you call him a dick? And then he says, he goes, what's a dick? And he shows him a picture or something, and they explain it. It's like, it, they took, like, five minutes to explain about what that means to call someone a dick. Um, so yeah, it's, and then the next scene will be a real serious scene about, you know, relations between another species or something. So it, it's a little confused, but I don't, yeah. I'm not minding that cause I kind of like the, how it breaks up the pace, you know, but it's horrible I, for a big, to market that to a lot of a big audience because they're going to be confused. I get what you're saying. Right. That's the thing. They had to pick an angle to go at. And I think that to sell it as a Seth MacFarlane vehicle, they went madcap comedy. Right. They went too far. It, yeah, it just doesn't. It isn't that now, mind you. There, there were some genuinely like very funny moments that made me laugh out loud. Uh, the one that I think of the most is when he's meeting his crew for the first time, and he gets to one of his helmsmen, and the guy's like, "So the last captain was okay with us drinking soda at work. <laughs> I just wanted to see how you were going to feel about that." <laughs> he's totally making it <laughs> like, up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but just little things like that just uh, you know yeah got got my goat and then later on they show him like sn- sneaking his little cup up and s- sipping on the yeah. soda <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a human moment like i like that it just feels yeah, yeah. very like but like there was one moment like that i mean maybe it's the only one i can think of on discovery um when her and saru i guess his name was the uh-huh. the first the medical officer or science officer they're both yeah. kind of fighting over the console to like tell the captain what's going on. And like they both are fighting over who can do it better. It was a little cute, little funny moment, made me giggle, but like there's not really any funny moments in those two episodes so far, I don't think. Uh, yeah, that's, I would agree with that. And I hope they don't go all serious all the time, that there are some funny, lighthearted moments because there were in Star Trek all the time back in the day. We'll see. I was sort of confused about how they were setting up certain characters because I didn't understand that we would be dealing with an entirely different cast, basically. Right. Starting next episode. Yeah, basically. Um, and so because I was like, there's no setup for like a comic relief character of any sort that there would normally be. Well, and now I'm realizing it's like, oh, we just haven't met that character yet. Right. That's what I'm hoping. That'd be <laughs> like that character will exist. They just didn't bother introduce them because everyone's dead. Uh, like Andy Anthony Rapp, who is a guy from Rent. Uh, back in the day, he's he's coming. He's joining the main cast. Uh, and I think from a clip I saw, he's gonna be kind of the like angry, sarcastic kind of guy. So we'll have our angry guy. And All that's, right, that's you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just thought that was interesting and kind of made the the episode a little bit lopsided. Yeah, I mean, I think we both need to give them time to breathe. Maybe we can revisit this uh, uh, at the end of both their seasons. We can kind of say like, oh, how, yeah. how do they do? And we'll do a recap of this kind of this copycat cinema and be like, huh. But yeah, the Orville is still early start. You know, Star Trek Discovery has the benefit of an entire genre to follow the sort of the blueprint of. And Orville is trying to find its way. I hope that it figures out what it is quick, though. And I'd be okay if it stayed the way it is with this kind of like catchy off guard, ridiculous, funny moments. I'm kind of liking that, but I just don't know if the mass audiences are going to be okay with that and fox is terrible at putting on good shows like when they have great shows they put them out of order they market them wrong like they did with this one yes uh, they did so they just always screw it up and get them canceled so but seth mcfarlane is like you know their golden child because he made them so much money so that's true they kind of owe him a little bit yeah that's why i they think I, I think they owe him a little bit well they paid their debt now by giving him his own captain kirk show where he could just go around as the captain yeah but no, I don't have a giant problem with the Orville. I do strongly say that Star Trek Discovery was better, but I didn't dislike either, really. Yeah, that's a pretty good thing to say, I suppose. <laughs> uh, my one critique for Star Trek Discovery 
uh, the the science officer Saru or whatever the hell his name was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the I can't remember the name of the guy playing him. He's been Jones. in Hollywood for Doug Jones been forever, and that's great. Uh, his character is a little bit too Abe Sapien. That's true. He's too much like his old character. It he sounds is exactly way, the same too. Almost exactly the same. And the manner, like I just, I'm like, oh, they might as well have literally just made it Abe Sapien. <laughs> I didn't and even it think would about have been, that. It would have been just as believable because it's Star Trek. <laughs> he had to be in a water tank in, on the bridge, or that that water neck thing. That oh, he that's wears. right. Yeah, <laughs> like that. You know, that could be that character. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, you're right. It sounds just like him too. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's my critique is that I I just feel like Doug Jones is maybe being a little bit too what I'm expecting. Yeah. My critique of discovery was that, um, I didn't think Sonequa Martin green was very strong, um, acting wise, but I think she'll obviously mature more as she goes on and, and become better. And, and the acting was pretty shitty in season one of star Trek next generation. So <laughs> I'll give them time to like, you know, progress, yeah, yeah. but that's, they've got time to make it better. And this is her first show where she's a lead. So it's gotta be a lot of pressure and difficult. So give her time. I say, um, but I'm excited to see where the show goes. Yeah, I, I never, I never saw that like criminal, disgraced angle coming. I'm excited to wait, watch them play that angle. Yeah, they didn't show that at all in the the previews. We never knew that was coming. Yeah, that's a little good, Vulcan. Good on pitch. you. Oh yeah, which the captain broke out of in like two seconds. Yeah, maybe she's just not very good at it because she's not actually a Klingon. I'm not yeah, a Vulcan. Or the captain just played dead when she did it. He's like, oh, you did it right. You're so the good captain, at that. The <laughs> captain was just stunned that she would do that to her. Yeah, so she just collapsed. Like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you pinching me? Mutiny? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, oh, boy. So, yeah, that's our uh, copycat cinema TV edition for the Orville versus Star Trek Discovery. I say check them both out. Yeah. While I think Orville has some problems, it's still enjoyable. Absolutely. They're both fun to watch. And I don't think they look on the same night, so you can watch them throughout the week. Enjoy. That's right. So now that moves us into uh, the segment I've been sort of falling back on, and that's uh, Would You Rather. Yeah, more of these. All right. <laughs> Are you ready? My mind is or, ready to be exercised. Or would you rather? Mm-hmm. All right. Would you be a little bit dumber, but considerably more happy, or a little bit smarter, but considerably less happy? Uh, it wouldn't be worth it to be just a little bit smarter. If I was gonna be like a super genius and be considerably less happy, I'd I'd take it. But no, I'd I'd rather be a little dumber and happy. I would also go a little bit dumber and happy. (laughs) Good. All right. So, would you rather live in a big, just the the beautiful, the house of your dreams, Mm -hmm. the house you always imagined, but you have to wallpaper it from floor to ceiling? With gay pornography. <laughs> or would you rather live your whole life in a very modest apartment, but get to decorate it however you want? Mm, I go modest apartment because I would want to have guests over all the time. I like having parties and TV show viewing parties and stuff. And I couldn't really do that if I had gay porn over my walls. I have a very See, select view, group of my friends over for that. and Not, not the rest. <laughs> I would I would go with with gay porn mansion. Yeah, because you still have a mansion. <laughs> but you would you can't ever cover it up again. No, that's the thing. <laughs> like that's not part of it. You can't ever change it. It's like built into the house. It's yeah. But no, I would definitely go gay gay porn mansion. I'll take the gay I, porn mansion get, and then I'll sell it and buy a new ice car. <laughs> you would get used to it after a while. I wouldn't mind it. I'd be fine. I'd deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I wouldn't be worried. Yeah, yeah, I'd I be just like bringing friends over. My, my mom would be horrified. <laughs> she, <laughs> that would really work out so well. All right. Would you rather have to do the electric slide every time someone calls you by your full name or crap your pants every time someone uses the word redundant? <laughs> 
So not a super common word. No. But to hear. People don't say my full name very often either, so I'll take that one hands down. <laughs> doing the electric slide. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna also do electric slide because I don't know how to do the electric slide. <laughs> you'll you'll magically learn in this scenario. I, yeah, that's the thing. I would finally know it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do it either. All right. I don't know any of the wedding dances that are typically done because I don't take the time to learn them. I can't do the cha-cha whatever either. Yeah, no. Now I'm good. <laughs> All right. This is the final one. Okay. Would you rather have everything taste like bananas for the rest of your life or have your farts replaced by human screams? <laughs> <laughs> well, I eat almost every food in the world, but... Bananas is one of the very few foods I cannot eat. I think they're disgusting. The smell, the, the flavor, the taste, the uh, consistency. So that'd be my nightmare. So, no, I my human scream farts. I, I think I'm also going to go with human scream farts. It's because it'd be very scary on Halloween. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> be sleeping and in the middle of the night and wake up your partner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry. It was red and I got in bed. I apologize. <laughs> red, not in bed. And we brought it all around, folks. That, that's that's the entertainment you come for. Absolutely. You stay for our personalities. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. Well, that's what you rather. Good job. It was, good. it was a good one. That was good. It was. It was. All right. So that takes us on to trailer reviews. Trailer reviews. Oh, my God. Here at A Play On Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low end of the scale, we have Don't Waste a Match. This movie is so bad that I wouldn't waste a single match to burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short, maybe it was cut oddly, or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. So Steve found some very good sci-fi uh, trailers for us this week. Uh, we have first off Osiris Child, sci-fi uh, something volume one. It says, "Yeah, I don't understand." But it's supposedly in the distant future where we colonize other planets, and they use prison labor to colonize these planets. Not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. Free labor to go and work in dangerous situations. How we made Australia. That's right. That's how we did that. <laughs> um, so, God, we're the worst. Yep. Uh, so this like uh, company man or, you know, a police officer enforcer of some sort that works for this company that runs this whole thing. Also, as part of his deal, gets to set up a home on the prairie. Yeah, like below the giant floating uh, prison thing. Pr yeah, I think. So prisoners break free. They get loose. Basically, the company says they've got to blow up the whole area and call it a wipe. But the hitch is his daughter's down there in that planet. So he has to, against company rule or whatever, go down and get to his daughter. And he runs into one of the criminals and the criminal helps him get there. And it, it, it I mean, it looks like exactly what I'm going to expect. Got it? Yeah. Keep that shoulder relaxed. Mm -hmm. Which way did you miss last time? Right. So which way are you going to aim this time? I, I, I got it. <laughs> That's my girl. Do you miss home? This is home. No, I mean Earth. No. We're making history out here. Prison colonies changed deep space exploration forever. The prison has been breached. The prisoners are in possession of a lethal ethalonide virus. Most of what you just heard was a lie. It's a cover-up. The ragged's broke free from the enclosure. This carnage in the city. It's out of control. In 23 hours, we're gonna blow the reactors. That's an entire decimation of colony. I'm aware you have a little girl down there on the surface. To them, it's just collateral damage. I just saw you fall from the sky. I was escaping. Prison's down here, not up there. I have to save my daughter! Help me! This is gonna be fun. We won't be able to turn back. We will endure. 
If I don't get there, she will die. We will endure. Company, three o'clock. It's a big choice to turn your back on everything you once stood for. We're gonna be fine, but we have to run now. Go, 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 go. I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you growing up. We will endure. Even though I, I've never seen this story before, that I know exactly what's going to happen. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I, th- I, I don't know. <laughs> the quality of the movie, like I was kind of surprised by the visual effects compared to what I saw in the rest of the film. Yeah, like it's um, no, so, no known actors, but the visual effects look really good. But yeah, maybe the, there's more to this movie than I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, but the acting didn't look bad. The dialogue wasn't terrible. Um. I, I thought it looked decent. It would be entertaining. So I was going to say, give it a buck. Yeah, I'm going to go with give it a buck also. Be a great dollar rental or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Catch it for 99 cents on iTunes. Yeah. That way support. I like supporting original sci-fi. That takes a chance. It's it's tough to do. And yeah. it's not part of a pre-existing series. Or it takes no creativity. So it's, it took a lot of work. Give them a buck. Yeah. Uh, and so the next one for Copycat Cinema is the Annihilation Ooh. trailer. Which is based off a book, from what I am to understand. Yes, I don't read, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that reading is either. Um, and this one looks like a, uh, I don't know, some sort of post-apocalyptic near future kind of scenario. Um, Natalie Portman and a bunch of other scientist-looking people are carrying guns, and then there's weird color mirages that they walk into. And then they're they're taken away and questioned by people saying, "What'd you see? What it looked like? Was it sentient? Was it a carbon based life form?" So I th- I took them to be like explorers um, seeking out new life, like in Star Trek, but they don't have much dialogue to explain what the hell's going on. So, can you describe its form? No. Was it carbon based? Did it communicate with you? It reacted to me. You really have no idea what it was. Did your husband contact you at any point while he was away? No. It was his decision to go in. Why did my husband volunteer for a suicide mission? You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. Inside. I could save him. Oh well, I I mean I took it as like maybe an alien invasion. Kind maybe. of maybe. Or maybe I thought maybe they were on that planet that belonged to some other species. But there's some kind of threat, obviously, because it's a lot of tension, you know. And there's maybe some sort of monster at some point. Right, you do see like a split second, like kind of like almost like a gorilla looking mouth. Um roaring yeah or, or like a almost a werewolf kind of muzzle yeah almost so it also has the same writer director as ex machina uh uh-huh and that alone makes it shove and take my money for me shut up and take my money because okay ex machina was so good <laughs> and i'm sad i didn't see the theater to support it but uh yeah it was really good and i i have a lot of faith in that writer director and oscar isaac is also in that and he's in this you have a single okay. word. He have a single word in the trailer, but who knows what he's doing? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a we'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. Because honestly, I didn't get enough information from this trailer. The, the our varying opinions or speak to this to really know what the heck this movie is. Yeah, I think it's on purpose so kind of keep it like very mysterious. And it kind of felt um, arrival-ish. Almost. As well. They're hiding something. Yeah. Right. Something weird is going on. That's right. It's like arrival mixed with mother. Mother, mother, exclamation point. <laughs> so I still haven't seen it, but man, everybody, all these other podcasts are talking about how divisive that movie is. And it's like, it has a great message. No, it's a terrible message. And it's like, oh, it has these offensive scenes. I walked out of the theater. I'm like, can't be that bad. People are so sensitive, you know, about these movies. Like, who cares? Uh, not, <laughs> not we'll us. to see Mother and check it out in review. Mother, mother. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, good trailer reviews. Yeah, does that take us to some radical recommends? It does take us to some radical recommends. Ooh. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. 
What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, I have I have two this week. Oh, cool. So one, I'll go with my first one, is uh, new to Netflix, a Netflix original, American Vandal. Okay. Got recommended, just left, like got just thrown in my face, and finally I said, fine, we'll check it out. It is in the style of Serial and a lot of these other darker kind of docudrama style. Like true crime. True crime sort of things that Anna absolutely loves. And somebody did a a film version kind of a comedy about that instead of it being somebody who murdered a bunch of people it's this kid who's getting expelled from school and being brought up on criminal charges for drawing dicks on 27 teachers cars (laughs) and they play it all serious like it's a deep investigative report (laughs) this kid in the av club is making this documentary called american vandal where he's looking at the facts surrounding the case and like coming up with all these different i you know disproving facts and, and oh tearing apart the school board's uh, case against the kid um it's got some really good twists and is just exceptionally well done i have to see that. like this is a sort of thing that could have gone really bad and it was done perfectly perfectly <laughs> um so i i we just finished it over the course of three or four nights i can't recommend it enough american vandal check it out and then let me know your theory as to who did it who wrote the dicks? Because they really they left it open with all these different theories, and they and they actually talk about that how they want you to like. He doesn't want to tell you what what happened because he doesn't know the truth. He wants you to look at the facts and decide. That's awesome. So it's ma- kind of a, mainly a comedy, though, right? Ish. Um. Yeah. There's really funny moments, but there are very. I don't want to label it a comedy because it right. really isn't. But it's not a real documentary. Obviously, right. It's somewhere in the middle. That's cool. Sounds great. Highly recommend American Vandal. Um, another Netflix original. I don't know if it's a Netflix Ooh. original, but I think it's, it released exclusively on Netflix, a movie uh, called The Bad Bunch. It was also just on my screen recommended for me, and uh, Kate just turned it on automatically, and we watched it. And it's uh, with Jason Momoa, uh, who's playing Uncle okay. Man, that guy. And also another actress I've never seen before, very young, but she was in um, a few British movies, but she plays a, a southerner in this one. It's post-apocalyptic uh-huh. world, and basically they send off all their criminals off to the Badlands, basically. And they're very fighting over food. It's just a desert. There's nowhere to go. Um, and so she's thrown out there after she gets out of jail. Once you get out of jail, you just go to the Badlands, basically. Um, she's looking for food, and she runs in these cannibals. They capture her, take her arm and her, her leg. Um, and so she's just stuck there, but she somehow manages to escape. Uh, she's helped by this creepy old man. I won't give you the whole story, but yet I'll give you at least this much. This creepy guy who has a cart, and it turns out to be Jim Carrey and like a giant beard. Like I barely recognized him. He was <laughs> severely like sunburnt and everything. It was really weird. Um, and she's taken to this town, and the leader of the town is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so Keanu Reeves comes out, and he's like talking the whole town. He has like a harem of women, and it's just very weird world it's set up. Um, but the story develops. You meet all these interesting weird characters. It's not much talking. It's like kind of like Mad Max in that way. There's not a lot of dialogue. Okay. But a lot of I respect that. Yeah, a lot of pretty scenes and vistas, and um, it's just follow this small story of this girl and how she works out her life, and it's interesting. But yeah, worth a watch. The bad. Okay, the bad what's it bunch. called? The bad bunch. I did watch a trailer for that at some point. Yeah, it's, it was good. Uh, but did not realize it was on Netflix. We'll have to check it out. I, it won't change your life, but it's it's an enjoyable movie. Okay, fair. I like that assessment. <laughs> uh, all right. So my last article recommend, and I think recommend is too strong of a word here. Okay. But I recently got to watch uh, two big summer blockbuster movies that I didn't go see in theaters. Very cool. And I think that one of them maybe did not get a a fair shake. So I watched uh, the most recent Transformers film, Transformers The Last Night. Oh, dear Lord. Um, (laughs) So we've talked about Transformers with me a lot, and I defend two and a half of the Transformers films. Sure, I can see that. And, you know, and I because I admit what they are, they're popcorn flicks. This last one with Mark Wahlberg was terrible. And then the last night is inexcusably bad. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, There are so many plots going on. One of the main characters is sort of portrayed as like this young woman, 13, 14 year old. But then there's a lot of shots of her running and just cleavage bolt. Like they, they're really mixed messages on what the hell you're supposed to be looking at. Oh, uh, there's so many characters introduced and then killed moments later to the point where you just don't care anymore. 
uh, yeah, they throw away Transformers and, and Autobots and Decepticons like tissue paper. They're just in one scene. They present a character and they're gone. Uh, <laughs> it's just horrible filmmaking. It's horrible just horrible storytelling. It's insane. Yeah. And then the whole thing with Merlin and uh, it, it's just it's insanity. It is insanity. And they and it's like two and a half hours long. And they should be ashamed and, of themselves. So I took a look at this on Rotten Tomatoes. And at the time it had like a 15 percent. Too much. Let me do a quick update. I want to make sure this is accurate for our listeners. As of Sunday, the 1st of October. All right. 15%. All right. So, after learning this fact, I then put on another movie that I missed this, this summer, and that is Tom Cruise's The Mummy. I didn't see that yet either. Hmm. So, my expectations of this film were low, but since I was on Rotten Tomatoes already, I took a look, and The Mummy has 16%. Wow. So pretty much on the same kind of level as Transformers. So I watched it and the whole time, despite the fact that it was not very good and the characters were not well drawn, a lot of things didn't make sense. The whole time I had to sit and think to myself, you know what? This is more than 1% better than Transformers <laughs> the, the last very night. Least. Like the more I watched, I was like, if this is one, per- like that's a big percent because Transformers last night was incomprehensible. <laughs> At least the mummy has a central plot. <laughs> And a main character you follow throughout the whole thing. Somebody took a screenwriting course for that movie, at least. Right. (laughs) Right. right. Um, And so while I am not radically recommending The Mummy, I think that it maybe didn't get a fair shake because it is certainly more than 1% better than the shitstorm that was Transformers (laughs) The Last Night. See, my thing is that I'm fine... I, I've liked all the Transformer movies enough, up, even up the Wal- Mark Wahlberg one, as I knew what they were going to be, dumb popcorn flick, like action right. explosions. I, I do wish people wouldn't see them so much in theaters so that we can get better quality films out there. But if it's already existing, I'll see it and enjoy it. Not in theaters, because I don't want to support it like that. Um, yeah. But they're, yeah, they're garbage, but it's just getting worse and worse. Like you're saying, they're getting less and less quality as they go along. Like they don't care anymore. Yeah. So I'm not saying check out The Mummy. I'm just saying really don't check out Transformers last night. Right. (laughs) Like if you have both hanging off a cliff in a scenario where you can like only save one. Save the mummy. Save the mummy. (laughs) Let go Transformers last night and cast it into the sea where it belongs. So you want to waste a match on that one. It's worth burning. I, I, yeah, I would, I would burn it. Burn it? Yes, burn it. So no one else can watch it. I mean, come on. I know that that we we got rid of that, <laughs> but I would. I mean, I just would have to. It's my immediate like offensive reaction to it. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, well. After that, we have a couple thanks to give out. Uh, one to Sean Vanderloo, who tweeted, excellent episode. Enjoyed the heck out of it for our last episode of Game of Thrones uh, season, season 7 recap. Ah, oh, thanks, Mr. Vanderloo. Yeah, and Daniel Hitch on Facebook responded to that same uh, episode. He said, love all the theories. I'm still betting Jamie, having been called the Kingslayer all the show, will kill the Night King. Which is an interesting thought. Yeah, he's, he's the yeah, Kingslayer. Yeah. He might kill the Night King. Um, he says, after Night King uh, turns Cersei into an Ice Queen and turns the baby into an Ice Prince or Princess, Night King and Jamie fight. Night King tries to kill him and turn him, but touches the metal hand, so it fails. He stabs the Night King, which fails to kill him. Night King in turn stabs Jamie, only for Brienne to rescue Jamie at the last second and use the other half of the Ice Sword they melted down in Season 4 to finish the job. It'll, it'll be the only deed entered um, on the book of deeds Joffrey mocked Jamie for back in season four. Wow, I don't remember that ice sword. What is that all about? So ice was the family sword of House Stark. It was that giant one that's shown in the first episode when Ned Stark takes off that uh, deserter's head. Yeah. Uh, so it comes with him down to King's Landing. After his death, uh, Tywin has takes it and has somebody rework the Valyrian steel into two blades. One becomes Oathkeeper, which uh, Jamie is given to Jamie and then sent with uh, Lady Brienne. And the other one becomes Widow's Whale, which is given to Joffrey as a gift for his name day oh. or, his, or his wedding, right. his wedding. 
um, and then become ends up becoming Jamie's sword. Wait, so who has Oathkeeper now? I think Brienne does. Oh, how'd she get it? Well, because Jamie sent it with her. Uh, that's why it's called Oathkeeper, because it was her carrying on his oath to Lady Stark that he would get her daughter's home. Oh, that was originally his oath. Yeah. Interesting. I forgot about that. Not the watch. It was like it again. was. It was an agreement he made with her. I think when he was in captivity. Yeah, good memory. Maybe for this shit. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, it, between the show and the book, I could be wrong. Interesting. Well, hopefully, we get a chance to rewatch the whole show before the year and a half it takes for the next season to come out. Oh, we're watching it at least a dozen times between now and then. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, I think that about covers our wonderful episode 83. Is that right? That's right. You were here for the first edition of Copycat Cinema TV edition. Thanks for joining us, Internet. We'll keep being your nerdy hosts as long as you keep being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. Working to try to earn her respect back, I guess. Who knows? It's going to be great. Is that a dog? No. So they. So that's another fun thing. <laughs> Our apartment's had some fun work being done on it. I forgot to mention this in the weekly <laughs> Okay. Uh, we had all the windows replaced. Oh. Uh, but that meant that we basically had to be out of the apartment for two days. While they were replacing our bathroom window, they found wood rot. Oh, geez. And so then that was like four days with open walls in the bathroom. Well, thankfully, you're renting, right? So you don't have to pay for any of this crap? Yeah. But, <laughs> so then they came in and they did some like minor repairs, like fixed a, a leak in the sink and all this stuff. Then we get an email that they're coming and. Oh, uh, like water blasting, like cleaning the place. <laughs> so I did your mom last night. Yeah, bam. Uh, <laughs> and then we get another email saying that all of this coincidentally lines up with a random inspection being done by the city of San Jose. Oh, good. On Wednesday. They now have painters outside that they neglected to tell us about. <laughs> Apparently everyone else knew, but we didn't receive the email. So we left our car in the parking lot and got yelled at. Uh, <laughs> so they're now out, like literally outside my window. Oh, that's right what that was. on our second floor, like scraping paint and doing stuff. Gotcha. So it wasn't a dog. There'll be a, no, there'll be a little bit of that noise. It's been a fun couple of weeks. <laughs>